One American holiday you don't want to forget about, or you may be in a lot of trouble, is Mother's Day. This holiday is a recognition of everything mothers do for their children, beginning with giving them life. For most of us who have grown up in American schools, we can recall sitting at our desk in elementary school and our teachers walking us through some craft project, a homemade gift we would give our mothers on that special day. With our tongues sticking out in deep concentration, we carefully cut out shapes from construction paper and meticulously selected which colors we wanted. We navigated the world of popsicle sticks and glue, and in the end, and after a lot of hard work for an elementary school kid, we had a project ready to present to mom. For most of us, our mothers were our world as kids. And when Mother's Day came around, we wanted to present our best. No effort was too small, even if we were still small. If I were to sum up this mood in biblical lingo, we wanted to offer our first fruits to our mothers as thanks for everything they've done for us. The biblical world has the same expectation for God. We should always offer our best to God. We should offer up our first fruits to Him. This is also a key concept for us as we finish our journey learning about servant leadership. Besides the biblical command to care for the least of these, Scripture also directs us to lead by offering our first fruits. In this way, we become a servant leader and an example for others. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. This is The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Father Dustin. As you know, the last couple weeks, we've been looking at Lulos leadership. Lulos is the Greek word for slave or servant, and we've been looking at servant leadership. Why? Because this is the sort of leadership that Christ shows us. This is how Christ leads. We see him demonstrating this sort of leadership when he washes the disciples' feet at the Last Supper, and ultimately when he gives up his life and goes to the cross for us and our salvation. And so we, as followers of Christ, are called to demonstrate leadership in the same sort of way we see our Master demonstrating leadership. So the past couple weeks, we've looked at the different steps in order to be a servant leader. The first step, of course, was to getting to know the Bible. We have to become biblically literate. If we don't know what the Bible says or what it's instructing us, how can we follow its example? So we start with that as a foundation. The next step was to cultivate a watchfulness of both what the Bible is saying and how we're living our lives. We have to be aware, because if we aren't, how can we put the examples of Scripture into practice. The third step, as you recall, is to lead as one under authority. If we are going to lead by the example of Christ, and if we're going to lead by the example we see in Scripture, 
We can't lead by doing what we want or what we feel like doing. Instead, we have to put ourselves under the authority of Christ, who is revealed through Scripture. And in this way, we have to lead as one under authority. We have to lead knowing how the Bible is asking us to lead. And that brings us to the last two steps. The step we looked at last week and the step we'll look at today. And these two steps is essentially what the other three will, were building up to, what they're calling us to be as Christians, what it's calling us to be as servant leaders. So last week we looked at caring for the least of these without judgment. If we're going to be servant leaders, we have to serve especially those who don't have a voice in society, especially those who are crying out for justice. And this can look like a lot of different things, depending on our context, where we are, what our neighborhoods look like. But we have to learn to serve just like Christ served. Today's step, the fifth step and the last step we'll look at for servant leadership, is we have to offer our first fruits. And that's why I started with the story about children making gifts for Mother's Day. These children wanted to offer their best to their moms. And if we want to offer our best to our moms, how much more should we want to offer our best to God? And of course, by offering our first fruits to God also means we're offering our fruits to the community around us and loving God by loving our neighbor. Because giving alms which is what Christ tells us to do in the Sermon on the Mount, to be righteous, is about loving God and our neighbor. But we have to offer our first fruits. Now, before I get too far, I want to remind you to all check out the Christian Orthodox Leadership Initiative website. Like before, I'll put a link to their website in the notes below. And I highly encourage you to look at the work that they're doing because they're really trying to cultivate servant leadership or doulos leadership within our Orthodox parishes. And it's on their work, especially Deacon Sean Reed, that I'm leaning on. So I want to encourage you to look at that. Now, I think it may be God's providence that we get to this fifth step, offering our first fruits on this ninth Sunday of St. Luke. This past Sunday in the Greek Orthodox Church, we had what we call the Ninth Sunday of St. Luke. And the reading was from Luke 12, 16 through 21. And this reading was about a man who did very well for himself. He was a farmer, and his crops came in very good. And so he decided to build bigger barns and store up his wealth for himself. Now, I think most of us are familiar with this story, because what happens well, as soon as he builds his barns and stores up his wealth for himself, God calls him a fool and says that that night his life will be taken for him. So it's almost ironic. All that wealth that this man had built up for himself did him no good. No good whatsoever. And I think it's providential that we had this reading this past Sunday as we're looking at the fifth step of servant leadership, because if we are going to offer our first fruits to God in our communities, we can't be like this rich man. We can't store up our riches for ourselves, because it does us no good whatsoever. 
Offering our first fruits means opening our hands, cultivating an ethos of giving within our communities and to God. Now, as I think about this, this command goes all through Scripture. You find examples of offering your first fruits all over Scripture. Sometimes it uses those words. For example, when it's talking about the different feasts and the Israelites were required to give their first fruits to the temple so that the priests could have something to live off of. Because remember, the priests in the Old Testament weren't allowed to own land. So they were dependent on the people offering their first fruits so that they could survive, have a living. But I think the story that perhaps gives us the greatest difficulty is a story of Abraham and Isaac. And I think this story is an offering of first fruits. So many of you probably know this story. Abraham and his wife Sarah were elderly, and they didn't have any kids. Until one day, three angels come to them and say that Sarah is going to bear a son. Now, they think this is hilarious. They don't believe these three messengers in Scripture. They don't believe that Sarah will bear a son. And so they laugh. Anyway, as it so happens, Scripture finally says that God did as he promised he would do, and Sarah became pregnant and bore a son. Now, they named the son Isaac, which in Hebrew means he laughs, because they had laughed about the situation. So you could imagine the joy of these parents, that they had gone through all the struggle as infertility. They had struggled with the idea that God hadn't given them a child, even though God had promised that Abraham would be the father of a great nation. This seemed ironic. But then God's promise comes true, and Sarah bears a child, Isaac. Well, then what happens? God comes to Abraham and asks him to sacrifice Isaac. Why? I don't know. Scripture doesn't say. And I don't know how old this story probably is. It could be three, four thousand years old. And I imagine that everyone who's ever read this story through all those thousands of years have probably struggled with why God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. What sort of God would do that? I don't know. This is how the story plays out. But Abraham decides to do it. He decides to remain loyal to God. Now, in Greek, pistis is the word for faith or belief, but we could also translate it as loyalty. So Abraham trusts God. He's loyal to God. He believes in what God has said. And so he takes off to sacrifice Isaac. They take two servants with them, the text says, but they soon leave the servants behind as they continue their way up to where they're going to make the sacrifice. And you can imagine, they build the altar, Isaac is carrying the wood for the sacrifice, but then Isaac asks his dad, where's the goat? What are we supposed to sacrifice? Now, if you were Abraham, looking at your son, who's asking about this, what would you say, knowing that God has asked you to sacrifice him? 
Can you imagine the pain that Abraham may have felt? Can you imagine the inward struggle that he must have had? Yet, he decides to go through with what God had asked of him to sacrifice Isaac. But as soon as he raises the knife, an angel stops him. And God provides a ram instead for the sacrifice. This, brothers and sisters, is Abraham's faith. This is Abraham's loyalty to God. And in the end, God won't let him sacrifice Isaac. But because Abraham was willing to offer his first fruits, that which was most sacred to him, God blesses Abraham. Abraham does become the father of a great nation. In fact, we as Christians are considered descendants of Abraham by faith because we are called to have that same sort of faith or loyalty that Abraham demonstrated when he was willing to sacrifice Isaac. Now, that story is something. It seems absurd that God would ask such a thing of Abraham to sacrifice his son? Yet it's precisely because Abraham was willing to offer his first fruits that God blessed not just Abraham, but the world. And as we know, eventually, Abraham's seed becomes Jesus Christ, who saves the world. I think it's also divine providence that as we're looking at this final step of offering our first fruits, we just recently celebrated the feast of the entrance of the Theotokos into the temple. Here is another story of people offering their first fruits. So the story starts out with Joachim and Anna. This is the Virgin Mary's parents. And like a lot of stories in Scripture, they were barren, and they prayed to God that he would provide for them a child. And of course he does. Anna becomes pregnant with the Virgin Mary. But then the text says, because God had blessed them, they decide to offer Mary back to God. So the hymns in the feast state that they brought Mary to the temple at age three. There she was raised by the consecrated virgins in the temple. Again, could you imagine being a parent, struggling with infertility, asking God to bless you and give you a child, and then as soon as he does, just three years later, giving that child back to God? Now, in the ancient world, we assumed that parents wanted children in part to take care of them in their old age, when they could no longer work, they needed someone to care for them. But what do Joachim and Anna do? They offer their only daughter back to God at age three. They dedicate her to God. Now this, I think, is an example, again, of two people offering their first fruits to God, that which was most sacred to them. And again, just like Abraham, they were blessed. Not just them, but again, the entire world. Why? Because it was through the Virgin Mary that the world receives Christ. It was her, yes, that caused the incarnation to be possible and for the Savior to enter into the world. 
And so Mary is not just known as the Virgin Mary, but she's known as the Theotokos, the one who bore God. And through that, all of us are blessed. So it seems like the idea of offering our first fruits isn't just God being greedy, he wants the best of us, but it's about blessing. It's about blessing. When we offer our first fruits, we are able to bless others. We're able to bless our communities. And when we give of our first fruits to the church, God uses that to bless the community, those around us, and the least of these. But in order for that to happen, we can't be stingy. We have to open our hands and offer back to God what, as we already know, is really God's to begin with. As Christians, we are called to walk the way by being servant leaders. As we learn our Bible, cultivate an awareness of what it's saying, and put ourselves under its authority, we realize that it's calling us to care for the least of these and to offer our first fruits. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he became the ultimate example of a servant leader. First, by washing his disciples' feet, Jesus summed up his entire ministry. And may I remind you that washing the feet of your guests was a job that was reserved for slaves. To be first in the kingdom, you must become last, serving your neighbor like the Good Samaritan. And secondly, Christ showed us what it means to offer our first fruits by allowing himself to be betrayed, mocked, and crucified. For us, he offered his life, God's first fruits. Now, we're called to follow Christ. We're called to serve the least of these in our own communities, and we're called to offer to God our first fruits, the best we have to offer. By doing this, will truly become servant leaders who know how to walk the way. Thank you. I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving, and we'll be back next week with a new episode of The Way Podcast. God bless.